everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we're changing it up a little bit. We're taking a look at a movie in between seasons. Usually we call it Kids in Peril, but this time around we once again have found a Miriam McDonald joint um, (laughs) that we're going to be able to talk about. Um, So today we're taking a look at Letters to Satan Claus. An original sci-fi movie, which is a straight-up parody of almost every Hallmark Christmas movie. I think this is a wonderful bookend for last year when we watched a holiday movie, which was another Miriam McDonald film, which actually was a Hallmark movie. Um, so we see the rage... painful to get through. I, I think the funniest shit about that was... Um, friend of the show Z this year watched that movie and was like hey did you know that she's in a Hallmark movie and like there's a dog named Justice and I'm like absolutely of course I remember that because we had to fucking record it and Z's like oh <laughs> do you remember how Mira McDonald was in there and then just kind of zipped out and then came right back <laughs> yep yep kind of like this movie um, I'm sorry you were going to say something oh no I mean I just think this is like a lovely little little way to kind of bookend the experience. I mean, she has she has range. We got to give her that. Also, um, you know, if you've looked up Degrassi actor IMDb's, which I certainly have, um, not a lot of Degrassi actors do a ton of stuff outside. I mean, everyone talks about Drake. Obviously, everyone talks about Drake. But, um, you know, a lot of folks after Degrassi, you know, worked pretty adult not uh, film type stuff, um, ended up just kind of like working in various industries, um, which makes sense, right? Like if you're doing this so young, you don't know if this is, you don't necessarily know if this is what you want to do. And you don't also don't necessarily know if you're going to have much longevity in, in the business, but I will give her, give it to her. She has a pretty lengthy IMDB page um, with a lot of parts like this, but Hey, it fucking pays the bills. I mean, like, the the thing is, a fair number of the Degrassi people we've seen so far, um, I forget whoever plays Ashley, Ashley quit after Degrassi, um, uh, whoever plays Alex became a therapist, um, Daniel Clark, just not really a thing anymore. Which is um, a shame. Yeah. I want uh, I wanted him to go beyond it. I think he was very talented. Anyway. Um, and but then we run into the problem where some of the Degrassi people are in things we just I don't want to watch. I think Drake was in a movie where he was a thief of some kind. Um, but it's like everybody's an adult, so I'm like I'm not really interested in that. Um, uh, uh. What's his name? Spinner's character, Spinner's actor was in a prison movie, and prison movies are all just awful. And um, I think Mirror McDonald was in Poison Ivy for the Secret Society. Yes, she <laughs> which was. I don't want to watch because <laughs> I've seen a few of the Poison Ivy films, and they are softcore pornography. <laughs> 
Fair enough. You don't want to watch softcore pornography with your pal. I get it. I see. I don't want to watch pornography with any of my friends. (laughs) (laughs) We've had this Um, discussion multiple times. We're not having it again. (laughs) (laughs) Check the archives. It's in there. We certainly have. Um, I guess before we get too far into the movie itself, um, we're going to be talking probably some of the content that comes up in this episode or in the movie that may come up in this episode, uh, a little bit about pregnancy, cancer, weight loss, blood, anti-Semitism, uh, blood having to do with like a lot of like, uh, you know, just horror movie type stuff, disembodied limbs, blood, et cetera, et cetera, all that type of stuff. Um, also like, we'll probably be talking a little bit about racism. Um, also, this is our first recording of 2021 in 2021. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I mean, we can reflect more later on, but uh, Happy New Year, Frank. Happy New Year, Donnie. We're, uh, my, resolution, my, my resolution is to get through all the Dresden files. Uh, I don't have any specific resolutions, but I really am hoping that we uh, are able to record in person at some point this year. I have hope. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly optimistic. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, it's gonna be it's gonna be a few months, but I feel like we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I agree. I sorry, Basil. Basil wanted to say hi. Um, I yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Within the next couple of months, we will be in the same room together recording, and my cats will be jumping in your lap or causing chaos in some way shape or form i miss cats <laughs> they miss you um so oh i'll tell you off camera um <laughs> well no fuck it we got a carry jess got us a karaoke machine for christmas oh hell yeah baby um well, no, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll tell this story on the podcast. This is going to stay in. So I had to work the next day after New Year's Eve mm-hmm. um, at 7.30, which is an hour and a half before I normally go in. So I was like, I better um, I, I better uh, get, get to bed early. So I went to bed at like 9.40. And our friend Jess got us a karaoke machine for Christmas. Um, and that was like became the big plan for New Year's Eve of just we're gonna sing karaoke songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sang one, which is "Welcome to My Parents' House" by Ninja Sex Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, "All right, guys, I'm going to bed." Now I've been having a lot of nightmares lately, so I kept waking up. I wasn't woken up by my friends singing in the um, in the living room. But I would wake up and hear them singing. At the first time, I woke up at, like, 11.46. They were still going, so, like, two hours later. Mm-hmm. Like, 12.15, woke up. They are still going. Then, at, like, 2.46 in the morning, they were still going strong. I, like, could not get back to sleep through, like, three songs. And they were still going. <laughs> and that's when I fell asleep. And I woke up in the morning and went to work. And they, they had finally gone to bed. But I like I was just like kudos to you, kudos to you, my friends. Yeah. That, that's like five hours of karaoke. Oh, that's easy. In our world. Yeah, but like usually there's more people. There's more yeah, more people true. to do the vocals. That's very uh, true. Um, 
So, yeah, but let's get into uh, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, as we kind of talked about before, it's definitely something that starts off and is supposed to invoke a lot of the energy of, like, those Hallmark movies, those Lifetime movies that are deeply Christmas-themed. Um, we are introduced to the town of ornaments, um, and we're seeing a lot of, like, cliched Christmas imagery. You have, like, a bustling town center that's covered in decorations. You have, um, kids all coming together in a long table, um, and they're writing letters. There's Christmas cookies, um, and, you know, we're watching a kid have a pretty typical, uh, meltdown regarding toys. She's vocalizing that she wants the Darby Doom buggy um, and that it's only like 79 98 something like that you know it's the typical kid stuff of like you know I really want this toy I don't really understand like you know how this is a challenge and of course there's like a little bit of uh, winking at the camera at some of the jokes in terms of or some of the punchlines, rather, in terms of like the father doesn't have a job so he can't get it and then oh no the mom's like um ice sculpting is uh, suspended because she has busted her hand. Like, you know, it's a lot of like the self-awareness in terms of this stuff. Um, so the little girl, Holly, uh, sends a letter to who she thinks is Santa Claus saying that she wishes her parents would disappear, shoves it into a red mailbox, uh, where all the kids are putting their letters to Santa and, uh, some magic shenanigans ensues. Yeah, the mailbox starts to glow and smoke evilly, which nobody seems to notice. No, no one's uh, alarmed by this. But the thing is also, like, when I was a kid, like, I'm, I'm talking like eight or nine, even then, I was just like, I like I would see other kids throw tantrums. I remember thinking to myself, like, in whatever terms an eight or nine-year-old would think this, like, that is undignified. I will not do that. <laughs> I was just an older, I mean, I'll say sister for the sake of this, because, you know, being trans. So uh, I wasn't allowed to act up like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oldest daughters are not allowed to do that. They're too busy having to raise the wild siblings that they have, that uh, their parents also had. So uh, I was not allowed to act up. But Holly is a younger sister, so she has a little bit more leeway to act like this. Yeah, her name is Holly Winters, which is just, like, fits in with the naming tradition of, like, every Hallmark movie where everybody's mm-hmm. name is, like, Christmas-themed. A lot of Noels, A lot of Noels. Yeah. I don't think her I... sister's I, name is Cookie. I don't think I've ever encountered Noel in a movie that wasn't Christmas-themed. I grew up with, uh, my family had a family friend who, like, had a bunch of kids, and I remember, um, the, the trials and tribulations of one of, of them deciding to name their daughter Noelle, um, and how, like, they were like, oh, I don't know, everyone's gonna think about Christmas, and, like, all this type of stuff, and, like, that name has a lot of fucking weight. I have learned because of that uh, crisis that had happened. I'm sorry. All my cats want to be with me right now. They're, like, all on the table. I'm so sorry if you hear jingle jangles. I can't control them. <laughs> I mean, who can? Um, no. So, yeah. Um, so we cut to um, 
years later. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I was just like, oh, God, am I going to deal with this child throughout the rest of this movie? He's like, nope, just jumping forward. Got you. Um, we you got a holder Were you trying to hide whichever one that was his butt from me? Of course. I always am trying to hide buttholes from people when when we're on video chat. <laughs> I, ha- I have had cats for years. I've seen so many cat buttholes. Everyone says that, but I get really embarrassed that my cats are trying to, like, turn this into a, a Skinamax experience. Then put them in jean shorts. Is that a challenge? Because I will. <laughs> yes, it's a challenge. Because <laughs> now I'm curious and I want to see cats in jean shorts. I mean, I'll do it. My cats being never nudes, I'll do it. <laughs> I did anyway. See, I, I did see something where somebody's like, if you don't want to put a cone on your cat, you can put small like child flannel shirts on them. Yeah. And it's adorable. Um, it is. I mean, I I was considering getting um because Juniper is way too big for a sock. I was thinking about getting like little kid pajamas to put her in when she gets her spay. Um, so anyway, uh, we get to, um, we cut ahead, and, um, Holly is now a shitty investigative reporter. I don't know how Um, shitty she is. She does a pretty fucking good job. She puts on a disguise. She goes into the restaurant. She successfully locates that, uh, a restaurant is using frozen fish when they're known for their seafood. Like, Gordon Ramsay would be very proud of her exploits. Well, that's really hard-hitting, and she also insults a, um, I don't know, do the Santos who collect money have a name? Like, I mean, they kind of suck, because they usually are working for the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army sucks. Yeah, but, like, there's one just in an alley, I'm like, how much foot traffic down this creepy-ass alley are you getting? Because it's for the punchline, Frank. <laughs> Everything in this movie is for the punchline. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Everything is for the punchline. It's for the ability to kind of, like, wink at the camera, metaphorically. Like, well, that... This, this for me, is my favorite kind of parody. Where they're just like, look, we've, we studied this. We, like, we're gonna bring up so much nonsense that, like, these normal... Th- like, I, my favorite... I, I don't like parodies where it's just, like oh, we just did this thing because we thought it'd be funny. Like, my Mm. favorite parodies are the ones where it's just like, look, we're making fun of this thing, but you can tell we also kind of love this thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I think that there's a lot of, like, teasing of of Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies, but, like, you can kind of tell these folks have, like, watched a lot of them especially because and when we get further into the movie there's a lot of like that trope of like how there's always this like really attractive guy back home but like it was smart enough to have like different variations of that guy in the sense of like holly comes home she sees like you know the the you know, the guy that she was involved with in high school type deal she sees the uh you know she sees the 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 deputy of the town she's like you know like it, it hits upon a lot of that stuff in a way that you can tell they it was not just like oh we watched a hallmark movie like no these people probably watch these an awful lot so that they could actually like make these jokes yeah um so holly puts on a wig and some glasses and a an old print scarf 
all to bust into the back of a restaurant. Like, I was like, couldn't you have just done one of those things? Um, but, like, then she gets told by her uh, boss that she has to go back to her hometown of ornaments to do a story on their Christmas celebrations. Yep, and the reasoning behind this is he wants to offer her the position of being an anchor um, during the local newscast. However, um, he's worried about her marketability and her ability to be approachable. Um, So this is kind of her way of showing that she can make those kind of connections and be able to actually do those types of fluff pieces. Yeah. Um, Holly um, is deeply embittered towards Christmas and just about everything. And then honestly, 2021 Frank um, is trying to be a more hopeful like person. 2020 Frank, on the other hand, loves this Holly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to also go into 2021, um, trying not to shit on things when people just like them, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like some things like it's okay that people like Christmas. It's okay. It's at the end of the day. Does it hurt me? No. Um, but I will acknowledge, like, I have a very complicated feelings toward Christmas, especially given my tragic backstory, which if you listen to enough of this show, you can probably gleam a bit of. Um, but I I felt Holly's vibe, because sometimes you do hit a point, I feel like especially with Christmas, if you're somebody who isn't particularly religious, or if you're somebody who is not Christian, um, sometimes you do want to just kind of get very bitter toward everything because it does just kind of consume so much i mean even in the newscast there is uh one of the anchors is trying to make small talk and she says like oh like it mentions the christmas party and holly like points out like no it's the holiday party and it's it's just like it can get very frustrating how like it just it's everywhere. You can't escape Christmas. And, like, sometimes you do just kind of want to be fucking bitter, not better, and, <laughs> and just fucking hate it. Well, for me, like, I like Christmas for, the, like, the parts of it where I'm, like, I'm with my family. Or, like, we're partaking our own personal traditions, like, putting on a violent movie while we, uh, while we decorate our Christmas tree. Um, and, like... You know, and but like I, I'm not in favor for the way these Hallmark movies does it, and in the way Ornaments does it, where they're just like cramming Christmas down your throat. Like right. you know, there's gingerbread building contests, and just I mean, it's all in parody, but like that's the vibe those Hallmark movies bring, of yeah. just like everything is about this one day of the year, and. You know, like, it, the Hallmark movies are, like, we are here on a certain, we are here on the side of Christmas, despite the fact we have to, Christmas does not need to be defended by anyone in the war on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And for me, that, like, this is, this is the, this is the uh, Christmas movie version of MASH, like, to Hallmark movies like The Thin Red Line 
where like they're like, no, Christmas can be overbearing. And you know what? Sometimes it's it's best to just not do this. And sometimes you write a letter to Satan. Um, right. And it's also interesting to kind of watch, I feel like, to look at this from the lens of the big discussion that did happen. Not to put a timestamp on. I mean, we'll put a fucking timestamp on it. I feel like no matter what we do, if anything for 2020, 2021 is going to have a fucking timestamp on it. Um, but it becomes, I feel like, particularly um, obnoxious of a conversation, especially during the holiday season of 2020, 2021, where people are suggesting that they are entitled to break quarantine and break self-isolation and break all these types of things for the sake of this Christian holiday. Whereas, you know, a lot of folks have had to make a lot of sacrifices to fit um, and have had to not see their families for their own religious observations, have had to not be able to gather um, and, you know, did not have, you know, did not act so entitled as folks are acting with regards toward Christmas. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's year round, this entitlement to Christmas. Yeah. Like, John Stewart once said, you know, this country's 364-day love affair with Christmas. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm not here for it. I'm here for Holly's bitterness and anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, um, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, um, like, Holly's, Holly's parents were killed on Christmas. I... Would not care for Christmas if it was a reminder of that as the day my parents passed away. Or not, weren't even passed away. They were killed. They were chopped right. up and chopped up into pieces and put into Christmas boxes. And I uh, opened them. Yeah. So you know what? Fuck Christmas, says Holly, and Frankie's there for her. Exactly. Um, so she, like, it's literally, um, you know, like, big city, big city gal has to go back to her hometown Slash, this is Groundhog Day. Um, she's traveling to this nothing town, and she hops in a she hops in a van with cameraman Sam, mm-hmm. whose wife uh, passed away from cancer. And Holly goes, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What kind of cancer?" And he just says, "Cancer." And she's like, "Okay, cool." Like, um, she's initially attracted to him. But he does have a dumb ring, which she, a dumb earring, which she focuses on. She's like, oh, no. I just look at that earring and I just am like, how could a straight man wear that? <laughs> That's been claimed by the LGBTQ community. It's like one of those little, like, cross dangly earrings that we all own. And I was just like, all right. All right, Sam. Um, and she's just like, She's just like, you know what? I'm gonna take a nap. I'm out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and it should also be noted, like Sam and the way that he is being approached and framed, not only in the terms of like you know the backstory, but also just the way that he's presented, the way that he's angled, everything. Like he's supposed to be a lifetime, like a lifetime or like a hallmark love interest. Uh, they arrive into the town, and he's like trying to be really like curious about the town and wanting to explore it with her and she's just like you know entirely rejecting every single invitation to do so 
Yeah, because, like, I, she thinks it's dumb, and I'm with her. I'm, yes. I'm 100% with Holly. Um, She's also changed her name from Holly Winters to Holly Frost. Um, and she runs, and <laughs> she goes to the local coffee shop, um, which is run by... Um, a pair of, I guess they they keep they keep being referred to as high school students, but these are very clearly people in their twenties. Um, once once again, is a lifetime movie thing of these are some old ass te- people pretending to be teens, and they all look like they're thinking about their four hundred one k plans. Um, and then um, like she's just like, I just want some coffee and like can you throw some booze in there and they're like no we don't have that here she's like god damn it okay cool i'll just stick (laughs) with the coffee and then she turns around and there's our girl there's mary mcdonald wearing a sash (laughs) wearing a sash that says mayor on it (laughs) yep which is really fucking funny (laughs) (laughs) like I would have loved to have been in this or working on this movie because it seems like it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where they're just like, how can we make this even more patently ridiculous than it already is? Right, exactly. And of course, like, she's like, you know, the perfect person that stayed home, right? She's married. She, she like many other people in the town, ask, like, oh, did you change your last name because you got married? Oh, well, you don't have a ring on your finger, so clearly not that. Um, There's a lot of um, Danica talking about how, you know, her life is so successful, and now she's the mayor, and Holly is apparently acting super fucking grinchy. Um, And Holly, like, asks about Danica's cousin. Um, Danica reveals that, like, his wife died. You know, it's, like, all, like, this, like, small-town banter kind of diluted into the form of Danica. Um, and one, this is, um, this is one of my favorite parts, because Mir McDonald throws so much, like, stank on this. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's just like, oh, what happened to his wife? Wait, did she die of cancer? And she's like, no, hot air balloon. It's like, she, there was a hot air balloon exit. No, one fell on her. And she's like, okay. She's um, fucking dedicated to this script. I gotta hand it to her. She is, she is trying, like, you know, she's working with what she has. And I, I fucking appreciate that. Well, no, I don't think, like, I think she came in, like, everybody came into this movie knowing that, like, they were making a comedy. Right. Like, right. <laughs> But, um, oh, God, I just, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> it's so patently ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but kill, like, sorry, just a quick divergent, because this does remind me of, like, the fact that this was made by sci-fi, I think, makes me enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, you know, I did watch A Recipe for Seduction, the 15-minute um, KFC romance movie. And that one hit me so much more as just, like, 
not not as fun mm-hmm. because it's just like it's it was made by Lifetime and it was sponsored by KFC and it's just like. You know, it's just like look, we like you guys know you make bad movies, and you have the means to make them better, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's just like when Lifetime did it, it just reminded me of it reminded me of like you know somebody who need who explains the joke to you and it thus ruins it. Mm-hmm. Like this for me was just like. <laughs> Look at those folks. It, it um, has the step. It, it's it's too in, like when when Lifetime is doing it, it's too in, it's like not aware a joke is happening. Meanwhile, sci-fi can kind of have the self-awareness, like it's out of the initial like circle. Like Hallmark or Lifetime could not make a movie like this. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't land. But also, like it kind of makes sense, right? Like they have a brand. That they're trying to stand by, even if it is like, even if the brand is not as good as it can be, even if it doesn't quite reach its full potential as a, you know, as a production company or whatever. Sci-fi can actually like, you know, can actually make fun of it. So this is why it's successful and also why Lifetime or Hallmark would never be able to get away with something like this. It would it would probably come off more like um. When Disney tries to do the wink nod, like, you know, the wink nudge type stuff in their movies where they're like, I've never seen Frozen, but I know Frozen, like, points out the whole, like, oh, we only, like, just met each other type thing. But, like, it's still a part of the machine. Like, it's still Disney. You're still going to go through with it. You're not really making fun of it, even if you're, like, trying to sound like you are more progressive than you actually are. Meanwhile, sci-fi literally makes this joke and it sounds preposterous because at the end of the day it is a parody yeah um i mean like it's the same thing in like wreck it ralph 2 they have a whole thing where um uh the 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 princess from brave marinda merida merida thank you um she like nobody can understand her and then like somebody like oh she's from the other studio and i'm just like mm, like we, we all know what this is like this is a market this whole movie's a marketing ploy like right. to try and pull in a different kind of audience like stop like stop trying to pretend like you're not enjoy like like you're not enjoying the money you're making from this movie Mm-hmm. There's a little too much self-satisfaction from the establishment itself. Like, you can't make fun of it when you're in the establishment, right? Like, yeah. if you're Disney, you can only do so much making fun of Disney. Because at the end of the day, you're still making a Disney property. Yeah. Like, you know, they they cut out certain... You know, they still cut out that joke from Deadpool 2, where they, you know, pointed out that, do you want to build a s- snowman? Sounds a lot like Papa, do you hear me? Um, so but anyway uh getting back into this getting back to this movie um they go outside i love the use of the snow machine in this movie and also how like it seems pretty i'm assuming we're supposed to be aware that this is a snow machine like it really doesn't make any effort to conceal it like it will go in spurts it will stop and start it will 
go like really hard and then really light all within the same scene like it's the angling of it doesn't quite make sense like it's definitely just using the snow machine and if you notice it well who fucking gives a shit yeah (laughs) which i love um so there's a lot of like that um Sam being a little, like, you know, Hallmark love interest is like, well, there aren't any hotels that are open after all. It's the 75th anniversary of Ornaments Festival. And Holly reveals apprehensively that she does have a house in the area that they can go to. Um, so they go to the house um, and they're the front at the front of the house is her older sister, Cookie. Um, and. Cookie lets them in, reveals that Holly's bedroom has kind of become a storage space. Um, And the reason why it's become a storage space is because she has devoted the attic to her holiday sweater making. And I keep saying holiday, but it's Christmas. It's clearly Christmas. But um, so she has her little sweater station upstairs. Um, And the whole entire time she's doing the whole like, you know, you should stay for the holiday and, you know. Holly aggressively asserting that she has every intention of leaving on the morning of the 25th to go back home um, and Cookie being, you know, still trying to see if she will can get her to stay. Um, When Cookie leaves the room, Holly sees a box that is labeled mom and dad's Christmas stuff and that not to open it. So she opens it. Um, There's a stuffed animal There's what appears to be a stocking of some sort. There's some uh, photos and cards and mementos like that. And lo and behold, a card, which is the card that uh, um, Holly filled out, uh, wrote out all those years ago. However, much like many children, she addressed that letter, what was supposed to be Santa, misspelled and spelled it Satan, which I've done. (laughs) Um, this, this is why I always just, when I was a kid, I, instead of writing down what I wanted, I would cut out the pictures in the Sears catalog and then just glue them into onto a piece of paper. Not a, not a bad idea. I uh, did a combination of I would write it all out, but I write everything out. So this isn't surprising that baby Donnie did this. Um, I wrote everything out and then I didn't have a Sears catalog, but I did have the Toys R Us catalog. And I would circle what I wanted in the Toys R Us catalog. <laughs> so I would I would do all of that stuff and then give my list to my parents so that they could, quote unquote, send it to Santa. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Um, so what's our first event? Well, one last thing we should also add is... Uh, Throughout this, Holly is slowly having flashbacks from her Christmas, the Christmas that her parents were dead. Um, and she's slowly, like, we see her interacting with Satan at one point, and in the in this flashback, she opens up a box, and somebody is beheaded in it. It's a little ambiguous exactly what's going on in it. Um, we jump to the cafe. Um, Holly is interacting with very cliched, stereotypical gay guy named Chad. Um, who is Chris's brother, Chris being the uh, cousin of Danica. Yes, keep up with this family tree. And um, <laughs> and the only black woman in this movie, Joy, who is Danica's assistant. 
because of course she is. Um, Once again, these are both um, these are both trademarks of the Hallmark and Lifetime movie. Yeah. Um, things just like how in multiple of the Lifetime movies that we've watched, um, they will put Vivica A. Fox as like a principal or police chief or something. And that's about her entire role. <laughs> like, of like maybe three or four lines. Fucking ridiculous. You fucking Vivica A. Fox or like someone like that in your movie. And you're like, I'm going to have her like, you know, have three fucking lines and be like a naysayer nag type. Yeah. Anyway. It, it's the worst. Um, and I like, I feel like they could, they should have. Like, I feel like they did that, you know, because it's part of the Christmas movie thing. But like, I feel like they should have done the opposite where, like, you know, had more people in there just be like, look, this is not how it should be. Um, but, yeah, so, so that's that. These are the parts where, like, yeah, I, I like. You know, I like sassy movie characters, but like, I'm just like, come on, guys, you, you don't have to carry everything over. Yeah, this is this is where I think parody it, parody and approaches to parody are like very um tricky conversations because it's true. It's like are these tropes? Yes, absolutely. We've seen these tropes a thousand times. We've seen them and talked about them even on the show. Um but yeah, like how do you push it? Like a lot of the gags are like you could kind of tell what the fuck is happening. You don't need Yeah, like, it just didn't need to go all the way, or, like, there could have been ways that they uh, played against these tropes, because, as, you know, as much fun as this movie is, you know, we have a gay man who, uh, Holly sits down with them, and is, like, prattling on about how Holly's blazer is tangerine and not red, and it's like, I would like a little more, a little, little more little more work on on that piece of it well i mean they could um for me they could have gone the uh brooklyn 99 route of like the complete op you know the complete opposite of just like here's a man who shows literally no emotions but he has a wonderful husband and like you know part right. of the like good old captain holt um but Holly didn't have to be a blonde white woman. Um, yeah, but I also like for for me, like Holly breaks that mold because she's not a like she's not a saint in any in any you know part of the word. Um, and like wh- Holly is constantly looking for, um. Was a bit like basically just looking for one night stands throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and making her like, because like you know when we watched um when we watched what what the fuck was that movie we watched last year? Victory over Christmas. Yeah, or something along those lines. Like every character in that movie feels so sexless and just without any form of physical attraction to anyone else. 
that I'm just like, okay, like, that's why they made Holly the way she is in this movie. I mean, um, yeah, but, like, you could have, I think at that point, then, if you're worried about sexualizing, you know, overly sexualizing women of color, then emphasize the piece, which I like at the end, because at the end, once everything is resolved, um, Holly is asked to potentially end up with one of her love interests on the condition that she um, is prepared to get married and to be a mother for his teenage daughter. And he's like, and she just kind of goes like, I don't want to be a mom. Like, I don't have any interest in doing that. And I think that that could have been instead the emphasis. It could have been on, no, I want to just date. And I want to, like, you know, hook up with people sometimes. And I don't want to settle down, especially because it's like, there's, you know, she says even in the movie, she's 27. Like, you don't necessarily, especially nowadays, want to need to settle down at that age i think that you could you would have probably had to alter some of the characterization of holly to to have a fully mindful approach to it but again i think it could have worked she didn't have to be a a white woman but i understand why they kind of want to go for again it's like one of those things where it's like i understand why she why they cast her the way they did i understand why chad exists and why joy exists because it's supposed to be uh riffs on a lot of those tropes or whatever i don't know if riffs is necessarily the right word in this conversation but like or like revisiting those tropes um but again i think there could have been more challenges to it to you know to have more um diversity within this movie while still trying to point out and um parodize some of the tropes associated with hallmark and lifetime movies which also struggle deeply with race and LGBTQ representation. Yeah. Um, in fact, they they bring that up in a recipe for seduction. Do they? Yeah, like um, the main character her has a gay best friend whose only role is to talk to her about her um, relationships and then to get hit in the back of the head with a golf club and stowed away in a shed. <laughs> Hmm. Um. So yeah. Um. Where were we? Oh, so then uh, I think this is when we're introduced to John Smith, the farmer. Yes. Um. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah. So like we have there's John Smith, the farmer. He's like the super dreamy dude. He calls Chad chatty. There's clearly some, some sparks between the two of them. But, um, when Holly and Holly totally sees the sparks, but when she asks Chad about it, Chad is very like, Oh, he's not into me. Wouldn't be into me. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and she is very much in favor of him trying to make a move. Um, so there's a lot of like, that kind of stuff that's happening. Um, we also have like Chris coming in in like a a beautiful setup. Um, reveals his daughter who is definitely not being played by a teenager. Um, and the child, the kid is like a teenager, but like still believes in love and Santa and stuff like that. Um, and Holly is obviously like not trying to play along with that. Um, so there's like a lot of like those little things and character introductions that are happening. Um, we move on to the bake. Uh, we move on to uh, 
meet Aunt Becky, who is uh, who's Holly's aunt. There's like, if I tried to draw out the family trees and fucking ornaments, it would just be like fucking branches everywhere. Um, she uh, apparently has looks a bit different since the last time Holly saw her because she, according to her, has lost weight because she names all of her cookies and creates emotional connections with all of her cookies. To which Holly points out, you're still giving people the cookies to eat them. And uh, Aunt Becky tries to dismiss it. Um, We have a lot of talk about vaping teens, which is the funniest fucking shit. And it's like a thread that continues throughout this whole entire movie. How ornaments like worst enemy, which is not the murder of like two people in town that was with a killer who was never located, um, is actually vaping teens. Who go to every woods and every everywhere to uh, to vape. That's it. Yeah, um, and they're constantly. Um, I, I also want to point out that at some point, um, <laughs> Holly brings up something about um, Chris's daughter. Mm-hmm. I think of what she says. She's like his oddly teenage daughter. <laughs> like um so then we have our holiday party and also everybody's trying to like i also feel like holly is a good representation of of like going home at winter where it was like trying to set her up with everyone um and she's just having none of it Mm mm-hmm um, and we get, we get to, is this the letter writing, uh, evening? Yes, yes. She, uh, she's in a rage, basically. She's trying to drink and gets quite drunk after her newscast. Um, and she writes a letter to, th- to, uh, Satan. Um, she sits at the table with all of the kids, too, while she's doing it and is, like, loudly reading off what her letter is saying. Um, at one point, one of the parts of the letter says, thanks for ruining Christmas, dick, which I fucking love. Um, she, like, <laughs> she licks the envelope with a flourish next to a child, and, like, the dad tries to, like, block the kid's vision. Uh, before she, uh, gets up and shoves it into the, uh, mailbox thing. It glows. Again, nobody notices. Um, and she asks Sam to hook up with her in the back of the van. Um... You know, she's, like, just trying to to get laid, like, kind of removing her layers really quickly. He is, like, fumbling with his shoes. Um, and then she says no kissing, like, you know, we're not kissing tonight. And he gets kind of spooked because when he looks up, of course, he sees the photo of his dead wife, which is on the dashboard. Um, <laughs> and she gets mad at him and says his earring looks stupid and, like, it's from Hot Topic. And as she, leaves, as she leaves, he's like, it's from my daughter. Um, I, I think I looked away, but, like, she somehow gets into a Darby, like... Oh, it's just out there. Like, a Darby, like, a... It's like the Barbie... Jeep. Like, the Power Wheels. It's the Power Wheels shit, which, you know, unlocked something deep inside me, because that was something I put on my Christmas list every fucking year and i never got and in hindsight was probably for the best 
because what the fuck was I going to do with that? It doesn't go very fast. You grow out of it pretty easily. Like, in hindsight, my parents did the right thing and not getting it for me. But, of course, in the moment, I was inconsolable. I wasn't really inconsolable. I was just kind of disappointed. It never appeared under my tree every year. But in hindsight, that was probably the best. Um, she decides in a drunken stupor to drive around in the little Darby Power Wheels, I'm going to call it. Um, and she is having a blast. Meanwhile, Sam in the van hears something on the roof. Um, the police then <laughs> pull Holly over. Um, and it reveals the deputy who is, uh, Joy's brother. Um, and of course it's another one of those like, oh, look, he's really hot. Hallmark reveals, uh, they have a moment of connection because both their parents are dead. Um, meanwhile, Sam is seeing a glowing figure appear. Um, sorry, I I just want to go back to that, like. Um, the guy's name is Cole, and he brings up, he says something along the lines of, my, my parents are dead, and Holly just goes, oh, samesies. Yep. The language in this is also this, I don't know who wrote this fucking scene, but they had fucking Cole use bomb.com, and I was just like, what here was the script from? <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but what's happening to Sam? Sam sees a glowing figure, an outline of what we know is Satan appearing, um, and he's, like, trying to call the police. He's trying to, uh, you know, figure out what the fuck to do. Um, Unfortunately, this figure, Satan, materializes with a candy cane striped baseball bat, smacks the shit out of the dashboard, trying to reach out for him, and screams hot topic uh, before (laughs) we see the van uh, rocking. Um, nobody comes a knocking and Sam is sadly killed. Um, um, so we cut, cut to the next day. Um, I'm really trying to know. Um, Holly wakes up. She tries to find Sam. Sam is nowhere to be seen. Uh, she calls up the station. The producer says, like, you know, we're not going to send you someone. Get a fucking townie to record. <sighs> sure. Um, cookie. Uh, she, oh. she does find the van and it's scrolled with 666 on the side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cookie also points out that, uh, one, she has a sweater for her to check out to wear. Uh, because the producer did say you have to be more marketable. You have to be more relatable. People like when you're relatable. Um, and the sister points out that Chris is perfect for the job of filming because he has taught videography to Ornaments High School. Did you know? Of course he has, because this is Hallmark Movie Logic. Um, so there's a lot of, like, that kind of stuff. Um, Chris is nostalgic about it. He's really excited to be working with her. They locate the van, um... Sheriff thinks it's the sheriff Cole thinks it's because of those vaping teens. Um, and Chris asks about, um, Chris asks about like what, what about like the chocolate hoedown, the hot chocolate hoedown, which is the next event that's going to happen. Um, and eventually we end up in the cafe. Everyone is getting ready to leave for the hot chocolate hoedown, except the pair of teens quote-unquote, 
who uh, are working there decide to hang back because they want to wink wonk uh, take this time to hook up because uh, nobody will notice and everyone's too busy at the hoedown. Um, and of course, they're trying to uh, knock boots. And as they're trying to, they begin to hear Danica uh, sing uh, original Christmas ditty. Um, it starts off kind of annoying. It sounds like it's in the distance. It's getting progressively louder. Uh, they try to find the source. They can't find it in the wiring or in the speakers or anything like that. And when they look up, they eventually see that it's Satan showing off some of his Satan lungs. Um Causing their ears to bleed, they try to plug their ears with marshmallows and eventually candy canes um, and die a miserable death. It's it's pr- like it's pretty pretty bad. Like this was the worst one for me. Well, it's not the worst for me, but it's a pretty shitty death. Like I don't want to say shitty. Like it's a be- like I know it's a horror movie. Like people are gonna die. It's it's a pretty torturous death though to be you sound to kill someone so it, it's one of the more gnarly ones I would say. So this is the point I thought they were gonna do a thing like each of everybody who's being murdered is guilty of one of the seven sins. Mm-hmm. Like these two with lust, um, somebody gets killed. I feel like uh, is vanity a sin. Uh, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Glut, greed, gluttony, sloth, lust, wrath, pro- pride. Pride, That's yeah. it. Um, but, whatchamacallit, um... It's not particularly thematic deaths. I kind of wish there was more of a connection between all of them. Yeah, um... Whatchamacallit. Um, so, yeah, they're dead. Um, we're at the... Um, is this the Christmas hoedown? There's so many There's so many evening events, it's hard to keep track of them. Yeah, it's a lot of, like... Again, it, it congeals a lot of those holiday Hallmark things. And I will say, and Frank, you know, we, we can agree to disagree on this. I feel that because they were doing all of these multiple days, I found the pacing to be a bit slow for me because everything was broken down into these different events. Meanwhile, I think if they pruned it to like two or three events, I, I feel like it could have helped the pacing a little bit. Well, I mean, this is once again, this is our Degrassi level of thing where it's like, we have this one, we have like the three locations we need to keep using them. So like to keep everybody in the same place, we're going to have these event things. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, I didn't like this movie moved along for me at a okay clip. It's not like, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. It mm-hmm. just, like for me, it just kind of became like one just mass of like, I couldn't remember what each one thing was. Um, I think this is the Christmas hoedown. Uh, this is the hoedown. Danica's Dan singing. Danica's singing a song that nobody could possibly hoedown to. Yes, it's true. <laughs> like, nobody could square dance to this song. Like, props to Mary McDonald. I think she has a very nice voice. That was her singing. But, like, I just... Like, this isn't a, this isn't square dancing music. Like, there's no fiddle. Where's the it's fiddle, also, Donnie? 
<laughs> I know. It's also kind of funny because it seems like the dancers don't really know how to hoedown either. So maybe this is just like a weird thing where ornaments just is like, well, this is what a hoedown is, right? I don't know. Or it's just like, um, because there's like one Hallmark movie where there's a pumpkin carving contest. Um, so it's just like, what's the most bizarre thing we can think of? Uh, hoedown, boom, done. I think um, that's what they were doing. But yeah, um, at this one, is there anything really, like, we, we get another Holly, like, spot. She immediately is just like, I need a drink. Yeah, um, Chris, Chris suggests the date. Um, she, Holly says that he's too good for her. Um, she drinks some, um, I think it's hot chocolate, um, after she spikes it. Um, and she begins to choke on something. She spits out um, what appears to be something metallic that hits uh, Faith, Chris's daughter's um, head. And it's revealed to be Sam's earring. Um, so that's like a whole entire mystery that happens. She runs off. She vomits. And when she leaves the uh, when she leaves the bathroom stall, she sees that there is a message on the on the mirror that says, Holly, screw you, uh, screw you to XOS. I just love just Satan has this vendetta against this one person for no other reason than you called me a dick. The thing about about this is what I kept thinking about is like, is Satan just like doing this to every single kid who's ever accidentally spelled out satan instead of santa because i feel like satan would be moving would be covering a lot of fucking ground well my thing is like what about all the other kids did their dreams come true if she had just written like dear santa i want a a darby convertible or doom buggy or whatever like she would just have gotten it well maybe the whole entire thing because eventually she does write a letter to santa um santa kind of gives like really oblique riddle type situation maybe it's that like santa is not always going to give you exactly what you want but satan always gets right to the point or maybe that like say that santa uh comes up with such weird riddles that like you you never find your shit and like maybe somebody's out going for a walk one you know spring day and they're just like is that is that a darby dune buggy just in the creek just sitting yeah. there <laughs> maybe um we end up at the cafe again holly reports back to chad um, so the, the, holly, I, I i gotta give it to karen knox because like i really feel like she just kills it on every line she says she does um, she's she's truly a highlight of this movie like there's a part where like she's she's saying to some extra because the she called much like Degrassi, she didn't get, wasn't given any lines because can't spend that money. Um, so she's just like, you're telling me I can't get any kind of coffee here. Like, and the woman just shakes her head. She's like, fine, it's your fault. I'm having vodka for breakfast. Yep. So there's um, that. Uh, she reports to Chad. Chad um, looks at the letter um, that she had written to Satan. Um, and said that she screwed up and uh, that her, and then her parents were kind of like hacked up. Um, 
Chad is kind of that really naive small town boy. He thinks that everything is happening because of the vapors. Yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> um this is actually where John Smith appears, but whatever. The bake the uh farm guy appears. We have an entire thing. We establish that the next event is gonna be the gingerbread gala. Um we, you know. We we have that whole entire thing happen. Uh, Joy approaches Holly at the end of the scene. I'm trying to talk, but Dahlia is blocking me, so I'm just trying to keep talking. Um, Joy looks at Holly, even when Holly is, like, spitting and yelling, um, and says that she has a Christmas candle lit in her, uh, which is hilarious because Holly's like, what the fuck are you talking about and i feel like it's an excellent representation of like all of that fucking bullshit that they say in those movies <laughs> yeah um and is this the part where somebody makes a like where there's the joke about um like put like forcing somebody to have lights on their outside of their house um, this isn't the part. I think it was a little bit before, but there is a conversation before another cafe scene where Danica comes in, where Danica is making um, snide remarks about how there's a house that isn't decorated for, for the holidays, and Holly points out, like, you know, people can be fucking Jewish in this town. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, which I kind of appreciate because I feel like, again, this is something we talked about earlier about how Christmas kind of consumes the towns and consumes the culture or the, the Lifetime and Hallmark movies suggest that when there can be a very real discussion of like, what the fuck is everyone else who maybe doesn't celebrate Christmas doing? Um, um, but you know, we end up at Aunt Becky's next. Uh, the Sheriff Cole is singing um, as Aunt Becky is listening along. Uh, she remarks that he's a tenor, um, and but then says that you know they don't have space for him in the in the choir. Um, she offers him one of her angel cookies. He says no. He's pretty upset. He leaves. Um, and Aunt Becky has a you know one of those really cliched. I'm very tired of these type this type of shit where like oh I'm skinny now but I can lick the cookie. Oh I can't resist. I must bite into it. Anyway, when she does bite into it, um, the angel cookie starts bleeding and crying um, and all the cookies start talking and saying that she's a bad mom. um, And then Satan appears and yanks her into the oven. Yeah. And once again, I felt like this was falling with the scene, falling with the theme of this is gluttony. Um, But once again, this, this is not it's not touched upon in that way in this movie. So yeah, I there's really no setup or framework. Um, I'll talk more about... I, my recommendation is something that I think does this a little better and has, like, a clearer theme. Um, yeah. But I do wish... Like, if if the idea of it was, like, these people were not exhibiting Christmas spirit, I could maybe get behind it. But with some of the other deaths it just doesn't quite match up or like it's just a little too ambiguous for me we'll talk more about it but there isn't really it it doesn't quite feel like there's a clear enough reason behind why satan's taking out these people 
Yeah. Um, so, um, whatchamacallit? We're back at the cafe. There's no yeah. coffee. Holly's like, what the fuck do you mean you're a coffee house? You don't have coffee. Um, and Danica uh, and Joy enter. Danica says that Chris is barking up the wrong tree. Uh, Holly is very, like, belligerent and tosses, like, kind of, like, half drops, half throws a muffin at Danica. Um, and it's kind of funny. Um so then uh, Danica and Joy are leaving because they have to figure out what um, Danica is wearing for the next event. Um, so they end up at a dressing room area. And this is where the sets, I feel like I understand we're working with minimal amount of sets, but I will admit this was a moment where I was like, I don't quite know where we're supposed to be. Because <laughs> this is clearly the bathroom that Holly yacked in a little bit while ago. Yeah, um, I, well, I think she says something along the lines of like, like... They have like some event, and they so um, uh, Danica can't just go home to change. So she's like, "I'll just change at the office." Yeah, it's. I get they're, um, they're trying. They're they're trying here. I will give them that. It's not easy. And, um, and like, and like uh, I know we don't normally talk about this, but like it really feels like whoever did um, Miriam's makeup was like a bit like off with her palette or it's off yeah because like i was just like i you know i follow her and i follow most of the degrassi crew on instagram um you know like cassandra whatever cassandra Steele's doing um you know to see lauren collins's baby very cute mm-hmm. um but like and like Mary mcdonald like looks a lot better on her own instagram than like in this movie her foundation pulls very yellow, I noticed yeah. in this movie. Like, the color balance was really weird with her makeup. It was, like, it didn't, and it's, what's weird about it is, is that she appears to be the only person that really has this issue. I don't know what was going on, but, like, I think it was just, like, the wrong foundation or something. Because, like, everybody else looks pretty fine on, like, color balance stuff. Like, everybody else, like, I've had no issue with. But for whatever reason... She was the one that looked off consistently. Um, well, she's about to exit the film, so it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, so she goes into the dressing room. She's trying on a candy cane dress. She hates it. Joy has another dress, but it's a size zero, and there's, like, talk about if she will fit in size zero. Um, Danica is putting it on. It fits. Satan kind of appears from the bathroom stall, reaches out to, quote-unquote, help her. Um... Danica at first thinks that it's Joy coming in to help her out, but it's actually Satan who eventually takes, like, the straps of the dress and kind of hangs her from it. Um, Her eyes bulge out super, like, comically so. And this is also a weird thing because it's, like, the later deaths have this motif of eyes bulging out, but the early deaths don't have it. And it's, like a very weird thing that like I can't tell the significance of it's it's not like Satan is associated with bulging eyes either but it's like this weird thing that they become really obsessed with and I don't really understand why I think once again it's more they're just like let's keep packing more nonsense into this film we got a bunch of fake eyes let's do it yeah it just like I kind of wish it had a little bit more intention 
Um, which I know probably sounds ridiculous because at the end of the day, it's a sci-fi movie. But I do think, like, a lot of horror is incredibly intentional and, like, incredibly, like, yeah, okay, it's blood and guts and things like that. And I'm not a horror expert by any means. Uh, Frank, I know for a fact you've watched far more than me. But a lot of the time there are, is a lot more going on in terms of, like, theme and things like that than uh, I feel like this is doing. Um, but, yeah, so, like... By the time Joy gets in, realizes something is going on, uh, Holly's shoes are on the, uh, not Holly's, Danica's shoes are on the floor, and, like, all she sees is, like, her hair as it's, like, going up into the vent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Joy goes running. Um, she finds Holly and Chris, um, and they go back to the bathroom. Well, Chad, but yeah. They go, they're oh. like, they go, um, Joy thinks that, like, you know, Danica has been kind of, like, taken away, um, and Chad and Holly are like, okay, well, we're going to try and figure this out, and Chad suggests that Joy goes go to, goes to make a snowman. Holly thinks this is preposterous, but Joy uh, is very offended by this because she reveals that she was a competitive snow person builder, um, so Joy goes out and actually does this as a form of therapy, I guess. Um, and she's building the snowman. Um, it's super cliche type stuff. Um, and she, you know, is like trying to find eyes. Satan is trying to talk to her. Um, says that she can come closer. And when she comes closer, Satan takes the arms, the branches of the snowman and impales her with them. Um, again, eyes pop out. And this time around, the eyes pop out onto the snowman with, like, bloody, you know, blood around the eyes. And again, and this is where I was, like, trying to figure out what the theme might be. Because at first I thought, is the theme, like, people, you know, taking, you know, going against the Christmas spirit. But then it wouldn't make any sense why Joy was killed. Yeah, because Joy didn't do anything wrong. Right, um, like, jo- Joy didn't do anything wrong. And, and it did bother me. Like, I understand there's a lot of tropes of, like, oh, if you're, like, XYZ marginalized group, like, you're not gonna fucking survive at the end of a horror movie. And it's true. But, like, and I get it. Like, you know, I I, I don't expect many people to see the end of a horror movie in general. But it was very disappointing that a black person who did nothing wrong and was going going with the rules or whatever of ornaments died doing something that she genuinely likes unlike everybody else who where like danica was being kind of an asshole aunt becky couldn't fucking like you know let someone else into the caroler group and had to be like super exclusive about it uh you know the the quote-unquote teens were hooking up and not going to the christmas festivity you know she you know joy had to die because question mark yeah um, so, um, uh, is this, I, like, I think we're fully into the third act at this point. We are. Um, Holly goes home, um, sister, her sister scares her, um, they can't find Aunt Becky, um, Holly notes that the kitchen smells kind of weird, um, Beck, uh, what? cookie really cares about is her nativity scene which is in the middle of town and holly says okay fine we can go into town and see it the kids vaping are surrounding the nativity scene um 
but Holly looks at it and says that it's sweet. Um, however, when they leave the scene, the camera focuses on, I think it's supposed to be Mary, and Mary's eyes are bulging out. Uh-oh, something's up there. Um, Holly does her newscast. Um, today is a gingerbread making competition, so she's surrounded by these, like, Eiffel Towers of gingerbread and things like that. Um, she's doing her newscast with Chris. Uh, everything is going pretty okay. Um, camera stops rolling. Um, the Jewish fellow in town is the wait staff of the party, question mark. I don't know what's going on here. But apparently he's, like, working, but he also can ask her for a dance. Um, and this is where we have all of the love interests kind of come together because Chris is trying to be kind of, you know, trying to get a dance. Uh, this new fellow is trying to get a dance. And Cole is also trying to get a dance. Um, I do like... I do like that he, that uh, Holly um, is trying to uh, get a foursome out of the deal. Um, <laughs> and I respect the fuck out of that. Um, to which Chris even says, like, it's not like Chris is saying no. Chris is like, I don't know if your floor has enough space, which... <laughs> She says, let's go back to my room and have a four-person, my childhood bedroom, and have a four-person dance party. <laughs> Look, she's trying to score, and I respect the fuck out of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm all about that. But, um, um, <laughs> so that's happening. Uh, Faith, the daughter, materializes and says that uh, Danica is, like, her body is in the nativity scene. Um so Holly tries to get it on camera, having Chris follow her. Um, but when they go to the nativity scene, um, there's no there's no body there. There's nothing there. Um, and, of course, the news anchors are irritated about that. Um, sorry. Dahlia's being a jerk. Come on. Stop. 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 You little muppet. Um, anyway. So there's that whole entire thing happens. Um, Holly says that she believes Faith. Um, Chris, however, does not really believe her um, and doesn't really want to hear Holly talk about how this is Satan's work um, and kind of quote unquote dumps her. Um, the producer calls up Holly saying like, you know, you can't like go off and do this blood and guts type routine. This isn't what people want. Um so when Holly goes home, she and Cookie have like a bonding moment, cliched moment, where uh, Holly asks her sister, try and make her look more relatable, um, which is um, having her like put her hair down and like wear a sweater. Um, and, you know, they have like a, you know, they bond together. And after that bonding moment, um, you see Holly getting ready to leave and Satan is lurking in the window. Yeah. Um. Then we have the gift giving exchange, which is the next event. So Holly's doing her newscast. Faith opens up the box. We see there's a little bit of blood on the top of the box. Um, and when uh, Faith opens it up, it reveals a foot and Holly has a horrible flashback back to when she and Cookie on that fateful Christmas morning, opened up presents and saw their parents' heads. And she begins to go into shock. Mm -hmm. um, Cookie passes out, like, stops breathing. And this is, like, 
they almost get to a discussion of trauma here, which is, if this was, like, again, it's a parody. They're not probably not going to go super hard into this, but, like, I, it's a, for, for, they're finally acknowledging, like, yeah, Holly's fucked up from what she witnessed, but Cookie witnessed it too. Like, even if, if here, like, even if there was, like, the interaction with Satan is more caused by and more based around Holly, um, Cookie also is fucked up by this interaction. Um, so we do have a moment where Cookie is also revealing that she is deeply traumatized by what the fuck happened there. Um, so the sheriff, um, begins to ask questions to, um, Holly about this and is kind of angling like, hey, the last time something like this happened, you were in town, you were a child, but you were in town. Um, so he's incredibly suspicious. Um, and Holly then goes kind of running looking for Chris and Chad. Um, she eventually finds, um, she eventually finds, yeah, well, she also goes to see Cookie. Um, the deputy and sheriff go to talk to Chad, who, um, identifies some items that they found at the crime scene as being Holly's. Um, they show up at Holly's house and arrest her and cookie doesn't believe her and chris shows up because he just happens to also be a lawyer Mm -hmm. um and takes holly to his house um they try to holly tries to kiss him and he's like oh i'm not ready to kiss a woman again she's like okay well just high five then um and Forget at what point Satan shows up. It's it's so um they he shows up um when they leave. So like Chris does this whole thing where he's like, I passed the bar exam, haha, and like is like, you don't have to arrest her, you know, some sort of bullshit. Um and as they're leaving the building, Satan approaches them. Um uh, Satan um uh, disables Chris and Faith by throwing them into snowdrifts and making them perpetually do uh, snow angels, which is kind of funny, honestly. Um, and Holly's reaction is to grab candy canes and, like, impales Satan in the eyes, and you would think, oh, he's blinded, oh, it's over with, but he knocks them out and proves that he has regenerative, regenerative abilities, which is kind of really fucking funny, honestly. Um, and she, um, and, like, you know, she's like, you don't leave me alone, leave them alone, and Satan says, like, you know, he really loves that Holly wrote those letters and, like, gave him Christmas, um, and Chris says, like, you know, just run, like, you know, it'll be, like, we'll be okay, um, and Holly's able to successfully run to Chris's house, um, Chris and Faith follow slowly after we don't really know how they got out of that situation but they did um and once they get cozy again it really hits upon those like those tropes she's clearly wearing his t-shirt and like holiday boxers um there's the turning down of the kiss things like that um oh they choose to high five yeah that that's what i was bringing up um yeah and then at some point, Faith comes downstairs with, or um, leaves out cookies and carrots for rain for the reindeer. 
Um, and she's like, I know it's silly. And honestly, I thought this was kind of sweet. Maybe I'm just a fool. Um, where she's like, I know this is silly. Like, it's probably just my dad eating the carrots and the cookies. But, um, you know, there's a part of me that actually believes. And, like, Holly comes up with the brilliant idea of... And honestly, I kind of wish this was more... Like, something more people did. Um in movies of just like, Oh, if this exists, X, Y, and Z must also exist. You know? Yeah. Like if, if somebody in a Marvel movie was just like, so Thor exists. Do the other gods exist? Like the other pantheons? Or is it just Norse? Like, are we just, everybody cool with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like god has proven to be real like are we all just all right we're fine with this whatever um it's not causing major theological crises for many many people on the planet um so they write a letter to to santa the next morning they get a letter back from santa and he leaves them a riddle of what they need to do to um save the day uh they need to help a friend in need um Basically, just bring back the Christmas spirit. There has to be a song in, in has to sing a song from the heart and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. They they meet with Chad and he's like really sad because uh, the concert, the Christmas concert, um, doesn't really seem to be like it's happening because everyone kind of is terrified because people keep dying. Um, and you know he has all like he's worried about like you know distributing the pies and things like that um and then um they um john smith is coming in um holly and faith hastily get him more uh presentable they throw a fucking leather jacket on him and stuff um and john smith says that there was an emergency so he was coming um so john smith comes in he says that there was an emergency um he was told at least um, and Chad then asks John out. John is relieved. Um, and Holly tells jo- um, tells Chad to tell everybody at the concert to go. Um, and Faith runs over to, like, let the deputy know. Um, we go to the concert. And all the carolers have laryngitis. And Holly even says, I think I know who has to sing. <laughs> and, of course, it's her. She has to sing. Um, yeah. I kind of skipped through this because I knew it was going to be cringy. Um, I didn't hate this rendition. I thought it was well, a my, pretty good one. My favorite part is Faith is playing guitar wearing mittens. Mittens? <laughs> yes. It's in my fucking notes. <laughs> um, you, you know how good, like, it's not like guitar needs precise fingers. Uh, like, you just put on some fucking mittens and go to town. I heard Buckethead use, uses mittens. Well, I heard Buck, Buckethead uses his mittens. I mean, Buckethead has skills we've never, truly never seen or understood. So, I believe it. You know, good, good on you, Buckethead. Um, so, but, um, so yeah, nothing really happens. And then Holly basically calls out Satan and is just like, we have Christmas spirit, you fuck. You, you can't take that away from us. Um, 
And I do like the fact that shit, Satan is shit-talking. Like, Satan's yeah. not above just, like, throwing out some cheap-ass insults. Yeah. I'm also not, I'm also really into how Holly ends up in the tree lighting ceremony the next scene, and Holly is wearing, and she's wearing, like, a not-today's Satan sweater. I'm glad they just fucking went for it. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, um, so Satan is defeated. Everybody comes back to life. So Christmas miracle. Yeah. Also, Holly rejects the invitation to be an anchor because what ends up happening is uh, the video of her seeing of her as Faith opens up the foot goes viral. So, like, she's pretty much a lock for the job. He's already making the anchor other anchor clean out. um, And she's like, absolutely not. Um. Yeah, so there's a lot of, like, power of Christmas. There's, like, holding each other and making Seton explode. Um, so that happens. Every, yeah, everyone comes back to life. Um, John leans in toward Chad and reveals that he's a prince and proposes. And Chad points out that there's a lack of, like, time between the two of them, but still accepts it and they smooch. Um, you know, talk about Chad as a prince's prince. Um, Sam gestures toward his ear, can't locate his earring, and then he looks on the tree and it's hanging off the tree. Um, Holly is kind of um, floating through the different guys and, um, you know, sees Sam and kind of apologizes uh, Sam is receptive toward another van hookup. Chris approaches with a gift, gift which is the uh, Darby dune buggy that she really wanted. Um, and this is where I mentioned earlier, Holly just straight up like rejects him because she doesn't want to be married to him. She doesn't want to be her, uh, you know, she doesn't want to be Faith's mom, um, which I respect the fuck out of. Um, and then Holly locates uh, Goldman and kisses. Now, did I hear this correctly? Is he married to Danica and they're swingers? Well, I mean, no. I think Danica just has a husband that just never shows up. Okay. Because, like, I think think it's part of the thing of, like, certain people in these movies just have spouses that just are never there. But, um... Holly is just like, yo, Danica, you want to make this thing happen? <laughs> and Danica's okay. like, funny, you should say. <laughs> okay. Okay. She's a swinger regardless. That, that I just want to be clear. Danica is a swinger. Yes. Much respect. I want to be clear. This is, this is great news for me. Um, and then, you know, we have... Um, she, she also just walks by Cole at one point and just goes, no. And just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I I did like the idea of, like, all, like, the kind of pileup of all the guys coming and, like, all of them kind of coming to a head at that because obviously there needs to be a resolution and she needs to pick somebody. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then we see uh, Santa walking away and um, it's not, it's, she, Satan is played by... Um, Dana Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like holds up a finger. Uh, Jan, excuse me, Jana Peck, and mm-hmm. she holds up a finger and it's just kind of like a, in a shushing motion. Then you look down and oh no, cloven hooves. Whoa! 
And we out. (laughs) C plus. Like they could have gone for the A if they just if they just fixed the holes where Lifetime and Hallmark made their mistakes. Like like it's not a perfect film by any regards. It's a fun film. Um, we we are doing we did this because we had originally done Charlie Bartlett and that was part of the massive movies that was lost and I really didn't want to watch that again, um, so we watched this instead. Um, I how did you feel about it overall, Donnie? I I liked it well enough. Um, I'm not mad I watched it or anything. I think my opinions should always about horror and things like that should always be taken with a grain of salt because I admit I'm not an expert. I haven't watched very much of it. My rating would probably end up around a C, um, where I do think it's enjoyable. It's fun. I like its self-awareness. I wish it just had a little bit more direction, um, Again, it just feels very much like there's another holiday event, there's another holiday event. Um, And I think if they kind of streamlined it a little bit, it would have been beneficial, Uh, especially because they did have such minimal sets. I think that it got a little confusing at times. I wish the deaths had a little bit more intention. Um, Just for me as an audience member, I I tend to kind of need a clear consequence um, and where I think there were clear consequences for most of them, I did not like that Joy's had no reason compared to everybody else. Um, but I did like some of the jokes being made. I did like Holly as a protagonist. I really enjoyed Holly as a protagonist. Um, I think that she is really fun. Um, and, you know, okay, she finds the spirit of Christmas, but she's still not trying to settle down like a Hallmark protagonist either. And I did appreciate that piece. So I, I'd probably give it around like a C, maybe a C minus C around that range. Not not bad. Worth watching. It's, it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Um, or if you have the sci-fi app or like the NBC Universal streaming services, I think you could watch it too. Um, so not a bad thing to watch during the holiday season. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I feel like there is a better version of mm-hmm. movie that makes fun of other horror movies is the movie, the final girls, um, mm-hmm. starring the recent addition to the Degrassi cast, Nina Dobrev. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think for our next interst- interstitial, we should watch that. Yeah. I um, mean, she's, she's on the board now. She's been introduced so we can, we can watch something with her in it. I mean, it's just like with that movie, um, like this one felt like this one felt like, you know, like we're having a, a, a fun laugh at this at somebody else's work. Uh, Final Girls has like a fair amount of heart behind it. Yeah. Like n- not only for its subject matter, but for its characters. I think, yeah, I think there's a very hard balance in this. And, like, I know that there's horror comedies. I know that's a thing that exists. And I know horror has humor and and et cetera, et cetera. I think that there is a trickiness to this because I think that where it had a lot of self-awareness and homage to Lifetime and Hallmark movies, I think it maybe needed a little bit more of that on the horror end of things, if that makes sense. Yeah, needed a little more polish. Yeah, it need a little more polish. It need a little bit more horror sensibility in it. In it, but it's still fun. Um, yeah. I think a movie that I saw recently, and again, I am very new to horror movies. I am not somebody who um, 
is an expert, but I feel like one that was a little easier for me to follow that had clearer consequences and still was deeply entrenched in the holiday was trick or treat. Um, and that was kind of what I was thinking about when I was watching this, because I was like, well, maybe it is that they're like not observing the holiday spirit. Cause that's like the whole entire point of trick or treat is that everybody is only getting killed because they are not following the traditions or respect of Halloween. So, like, that made sense in my head. I was able to follow along with it. So I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit more like that. But um, it's worth watching if you haven't. Um, I don't have too many other recommendations other than that. But, um, I, yeah. The, I th- the, sorry. The, the, this is the horror anthology trick or treat? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I watched yeah. it with Jazz. Jazz <laughs> is like, you don't... I, I Jazz is... I've only watched horror movies with jazz. Um, and I, all the ones I've watched have been pretty good. Um, or very good. I watched us with them. So they're slowly getting me through the genre. Yeah. Oh, are we just straight up in, in recommendations now? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I don't have very many. Um, but if you have any, feel free to, to kind of, you know, run through them. Um, I I have uh the 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 podcast Sawbones, uh, with Justin and Sydney McElroy, um, a misguided a marital tour through misguided medicine, um, has uh two episodes around December time for 2019 2018 called a medicine called Christmas, where um they. The two of them, uh, it's basically like a who's who of Max Fun podcasts. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the other Macro brothers are in it, and like some other guests and whatnot, um, all talking about, like, they're all making a Christmas movie, uh, like a lifetime Christmas movie, but like a radio play. Um, I would also suggest looking up the uh, That's a Christmas to Me. Um, uh, Mabim Bam sketches or Mabim Bam bits on YouTube where Justin reads two real Christmas movie descriptions and a third one him and his wife came up with and the <laughs> boys need to figure out which one is real. It is fucking hard because those movies are fucking ridiculous. That's really funny. Um, that is where I learned about the Christmas movie, a Lifetime Christmas movie where there's a pumpkin carving contest. Yes! Um, I don't have many recommendations. I mean, if we're going to just general Christmas recommendations or holiday recommendations, I don't have a ton. Um, I like podcast The Rides past two holiday uh, extravaganzas. Um, they did like a, they did one this year um, that was pretty fun that I really enjoyed listening to last year back before, you know, before everything shut down and everything. They uh, did a live show that was pretty, pretty enjoyable too. Um so those are definitely worth listening to if you want. Um, and you like theme parks and all that type of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I am a Holly in this situation. I'm not particularly big on the holiday season. It kind of just makes me really sad a lot of the time. So I don't have a, a ton of recommendations, but those were pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, we made it through, Frank. Woo, much easier than Charlie Bartlett. Wow. True enough. Um, and I mean... Yeah, so um, we'll move on to 
season six after this. It's kind of We're, exciting. Uh, this time, we are on the most confusing recording timeline. Like, we are. We whatever. are. We, we've recorded a bit of season six already at the time of recording this episode. But that being said, um, I am excited that we have made it to this point um, and that we somehow survived 2020 and that we will continue to survive through 2021 and continue watching the show. Um, and hopefully you'll just continue, you know, everybody will continue enjoying listening to us. And, um, you know, hopefully we made your day a little brighter or we were able to be a little bit more insightful or whatever you were able to think listening to us. Like we've been able to give you something during a very difficult year. Um, and you know, we were able to provide some sort of positive feeling during it because it's, it's been tough. It's been a very tough time for everybody in different ways. And, um, you know, we, I'm glad we've had the show a lot. I'm glad that we've had been able to connect, even if we are away from each other, I really appreciate that we're able to record together. Um, and you know, it makes, it makes recording. It makes the world a little less lonely um, and I hope listening makes it feel a little less lonely as well. Once again, you like, <laughs> you said it so aptly. I'm like, I don't have anything to add. Like, all the winds around my sails on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to 2021 being a better year and Donnie and I being able to see each other in person. We have a lot of plans. Um, we're, we're, I, I like last year, last year I kept being like oh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna vacation in the fall and like obviously that didn't happen um, <laughs> but like this year I finally feel hopeful about making plans and I finally feel like things are on the upswing to get better and I want I'm happy to have that hope and I want that hope and I'm Thank gonna you. do what I can to fight for that hope so absolutely absolutely it's it's 2021 right like just because the year has changed doesn't mean that everything is fixed um but i think there's something to be said about needing a new year to kind of get reinvigorated and you know get jive back in and i'm excited to do that with people i care about and uh you know i've, I've been keeping it very uh light on the resolutions this year um obviously there's things i want to do once i'm vaccinated once people in my life are vaccinated but i think at the end of the day as long as I'm doing what I can to be a better person, then I'm achieving what I want to do this year. Um, and I'm honored that, you know, Frank, you're a part of that. I, yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking, like, you know, I, I was thinking about, like, where Donnie and I are at now. Like, now, like, relationship-wise, and I'm like, I, I like, can consider Donnie a friend, and then, like, my brain was like, eh, that's not quite right. I was like, I do consider you very much family. Familia. So. Family. <laughs> family. <laughs> family. <laughs> but you it's know. true. It, it's true. It's, uh, you know, we've, we've been through a lot this year interpersonally. Like, we, there's been a lot of stuff that we've been, we've gone through, and, you know, I... 
you know, that we've also been able to support each other through. And um, not all of it was sad, right? Some of it was happy. Some of it was like, you know, exciting life updates and things like that. And um, it's definitely a case of like when shit happens, good or bad, like I definitely like want Frank to be aware. Um, And that definitely kind of speaks to how close we have gotten, right? Like when, when something major in my life happens, you know, if, you know, he's one of the people at the top of the list that has to know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that does really kind of reiterate how how close we have gotten. Um, and I'm truly honored to to be a part of La Famiglia with you, Frank. <laughs> and all because of this podcast. Honestly, yeah, though, it's true. Um, and I think that's really, really great. Um, I know... A lot of podcasts are about two two friends, right? And, like, that's, you know, their strong suit. But um, I really embrace that this podcast in many ways is um, how that how that friendship has deepened and has become close. And, um, you know, I know this will not be forever. It feels like it will be forever, but eventually we'll get through all of Degrassi. Um, and... Um, I'm excited to kind of look back on it and be like, you know, this is how I had this person become such a fixture in my life because we we decided to go and take on such a ridiculous project together. And I'm really grateful for it. I mean, it, we've been doing this for what, two years and we're only six seasons in of a 14 season episode of a 14 season thing. And some of those seasons have like 52 episodes in them. <laughs> Look, Frank, it's finite. The show's canceled. It's finite. Well, I'm just saying, like, even if we started doing some of the, like, one season's going to take us a solid year. (laughs) And once that's done, like, once we're done with Degrassi, I'm just throwing this out there. D&D podcast. What? Boom. Energy Energy in the world. We could do that or find an, like, there's so many things that we could do. I kind of assumed, I kind of assumed, honestly, Frank, and maybe I shouldn't say this on air. I kind of just assumed we would just pick up another project afterwards. <laughs> I, just I just kind of assumed. I didn't know if it would be like D&D or what, another series, a more ambiguous thing. I just kind of assume I'm just going to be doing podcasts with you until like we, we can't talk anymore. That's kind of like what I've assumed. Cool. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. Um, fuck it, a quantum leap podcast. Fuck it, sure, whatever. Just like fucking pull it out fuck of it, hat. Sup- Sopranos podcast. I'll do it. Yo, I'll do a Sopranos podcast. You know I will. My accent came out even at the premise of that. I'll do that. Just throwing this out there. Um, one extra credit that Susie and I are considering is sexiest Bruce Springsteen co- cover. Oh yeah, yeah, we can do that. So. <laughs> yeah but like the sky's the limit um and of course as always like this isn't possible without um the people that have appeared on the show as guests um the people who are our friends who are supportive of our endeavors people who listen um you know and and that goes to every type of listener right the people who i talk to now on a regular basis or i become friends with because of the show which is incredible the fact that that exists and the fact that like i was able to connect with people just because like they wanted to listen to me talk about the rossi is ridiculous and wild and great but that also goes to like the quieter listeners right like because we definitely have people who just listen um you know and have listened to a bunch of episodes and 
don't say anything. And it's just, you know, we're, we're somebody who you, you know, gets you through your commute or gets you through grading papers or whatever you listen to podcasts with. Um, and I want to give you a shout out because even though I don't know you specifically, I don't know, you know, I, I may not have your name. I appreciate you and I appreciate the efforts that you do. Um, and I appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen um, and, and, you know, in however way you do and, maybe you recommended us to a friend, maybe you did it and this is just your private little thing you like to listen to um, or whatever. Just thank you. Um, thank you so much because I would probably do this regardless because I like talking to Frank, but to know that there is some sort of impact being made and to know that we are making people think um, is a really nice feeling. And I just really, really appreciate you um, so much. Same these to quote Holly Frost Winters. <laughs> so um, I guess if you want to talk to us um, in any way, email is always a great way. You can reach out to us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ihopepod. You can fo- join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, you can also... Um, help us out by posting um reviews and ratings for the show um once we hit certain numbers we are doing bonus episodes fanfics uh, things like that um so feel free to support us and thank you so much everybody who has taken the time to leave ratings and reviews throughout the years it really means a lot um if you want to follow me on twitter you can do that at dm is unbreakable um i have some writing stuff that's up right now. I have an article on Palm Mag about Hades, uh, which was posted. I also have an article about Dragula that was posted last month. Um, so you can check out my original writing there. I'm in a couple zines that are currently like on pre-order or various level of pre-order right now. Um, and you can get all the information there. Um, if you want to check out like my drag persona or, uh, you know, pictures of cats and stuff, you can also follow my Instagram at Carmela Tafani. Uh, it's Carmela with two L's. So you can follow me there as well. Um, I post a lot of makeup looks, uh, lip syncs, and then I also post lots of pictures of the cats. Um, So those are two ways you can get in touch with me. Um, And feel free, even though I don't always talk about Degrassi on those platforms, like literally just DM me or at me, and I will happily talk to you about Degrassi. So please don't hesitate to reach out on that front. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, where I review all kinds of teen stuff with my sister Susie. And I don't have anything just yet, but keep your eyes tuned to the show descriptions, because eventually I will be doing some YouTube stuff, like um, some Let's Plays and stupid fun videos. Um, I'm trying to make 2021 the year where I finally start creating in a different way um, than just writing and podcasting. While keeping those two things going. So. Yes. Sounds like good goals. Um, yes. So, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you for season six. Later. Bye. Baby, all I want for Christmas is.